Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. Many listeners know that I am insanely enthusiastic about all things tennis, which I learned as an adult. I attribute key life learnings to what I learned on the court, dealing with adversity, and especially being able to self-manage my emotions. Because if you don't, you might as well hand your racket to the opponent and call it a day. My guest today is a Grand Slam champion who, out of nowhere, won the French Open Men's Doubles Championship with his older brother in 1993. What's most remarkable, I dare say unbelievable, is the journey he's been on since. A literal roller coaster with multiple brushes with death. The fact that he's with us today is nothing short of a miracle, a blessing. You're in store for a poignant and heartwarming experience far beyond overcoming opponents on the court. Through his struggles, he's learned to love and to truly live. And he's on a mission to show that no matter what you can absolutely be a positive force in the world. I am honored and thrilled to welcome to the show my friend, Murphy Jensen. Murphy, thank you for joining me on Say It Skillfully. Thank you, Molly. It's it's an honor and a privilege to be here. I I have to say it's all mine, and I'm just beyond uh, grateful, beyond grateful. And, you know, your energy, you're an adoring husband, father, dog lover, family man, (laughs) entrepreneur, athlete. You've recovered from alcohol and drugs, uh, a cardiac arrest survivor against all odds. So, you know, Murphy, thank you for sharing your story and helping us appreciate who you are, uh, what what moves you to create a better world for all of us. Well, you're welcome. Um, What moves me to create a better world? Is to... uh, if I really reflect on what got me to this seat in front of you, <clears throat> I can't help but uh, be grateful and thankful and feel my feelings. And I grew up on a Christmas tree farm in northern Michigan. The furthest thing from uh, center court Wimbledon or a French Open champion uh, um, day. And in a beautiful family with an incredible mom and dad and twin sisters and old and an older brother, which makes me the middle child. Um, I'm also a Scorpio. And my favorite numbers change by the minute. Um but I am here uh, with you today. Uh, it's made me think, the last 16 months has made me think on a daily basis, am I actually still here? Um, 16 months ago, as you know, I, I survived a sudden cardiac arrest uh, while playing tennis at the Garden of the Gods Resort in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And... It was the second game of the match. I'm serving 0-1 to my brother, Luke. 
And what I'm about to share with you, I have no memory. This is what they told me what happened. It was the first point and I look across the net and I'm playing in an audience of a few hundred people at this beautiful resort. My baby four-year-old is in attendance and my wife is watching and and the members of this place. And I bounce the ball and I look across the net and I smile because I'm going to absolutely kick my big brother's butt on this day. I just come off a two-week run with the Bryan brothers and Sam Query and I'm in the best shape, space, mentally, physically, emotionally I'd ever been in my life. Um, the past eight years, I, I, I co-founded a company. And when we first met in New York City and sat together was the beginning of uh, this business that I had started. And eight years later, we had helped but back to the court in Colorado Springs. I, I tossed the ball up after smiling across the net to my brother, and, and it was crazy. And and I don't know if I could ever watch the video, but my arms were like a trophy, and the ball dropped, and my brother thought I was joking, he says, and my heart stopped. And I fall back. And I hit my head on the ground and I suffered skull fractures and my head starts bleeding. And there were some off-duty medical professionals in attendance that rushed to my side, lying there on my back. And the off-duty fire chief says, where's the AED? And my brother, the day before, had gone. He he had just been named the director of tennis at this at this place, and uh, and he had been walked through where the AED was and where the safety measures and what he was supposed to do, and uh, it was ten feet from the baseline where I was serving, and he ran and grabbed the AED. They broke my ribs and sternum. They started chest compressions and CPR. My heart had stopped for 18 minutes in those 18 minutes on the court. And then my wife gives baby Duke to uh, our, my dear friend, Simone. She ran to my side. He shocked me four times with a, that AED in between chest compressions on the tennis court. Took 18, 20 minutes for the ambulance to get there. And my brother was asked to talk to me. And he was saying, Murphy, this is not your time. Jensen's never quit. Duke needs you. Billy needs you. Kate needs you. I need you. Imagine those 18 minutes. Imagine those 18 minutes. I'm gone. I'm dead. I will pause in our talk today because it's really important to be mindful of the truth. And um, the truth is important to me. And so they shocked me two more times in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. So that's a total of six times um, before they got a stable heartbeat. I was placed into a medically induced coma for the next six days. Now the question was going to be, what Murphy were we were we going to get back based on that much time? And 
was Murphy paralyzed because he wasn't responsive to pain in the coma and things like that. And um, cognitively, would he be able to speak again? Um, would he be able to think again? And what I've learned is that um, a number of cardiac arrest survivors uh, lose memory. I've met somebody and spoken to the people that have lost up to the three years of memory. I have no memory of going to Colorado Springs, flying there the day before. I have no memory of going to the zoo that morning and seeing all the animals with my baby. No memory of swimming in the pool later um, with the funny goggles on with my baby. Um, no memory of that tennis court. So, I've been asked a lot of questions. You know, what caused your cardiac arrest? And currently at the Stanford Heart Institute, I walk around town with my Stanford hat on, even though I went to the USC and I'm a Trojan. Um, my brother says, boy, Stanford's lowered their standards uh, to allow you to wear a Stanford hat and a Stanford Heart Institute jacket. Um, they're, they're incubating my heart because uh, my heart cells and doing the genome sequencing and genome mapping or the mapping of my heart cells and to just find out what caused my cardiac arrest. And, you know, just recently I, I was in Washington, D.C., and what I've discovered over the past year is um, questions are important. And a better question might be, what, what saved your life? You know, and that's how we can really um, create change in this world. What's the solution? What was the solution? And there's no one size fits all because no, you know, no heart function, no two heart functions are exactly the same. You know, is it genetic and, and things like that? And so prior to my cardiac arrest, you know, people might think that my greatest victory was my victory in Paris with my brother Luke, with my family so happy, which is really, really cool. I'm not going to sidestep that or or winning a match on center court of Wimbledon or whatever. Um, it was actually uh, my first uh, major victory over this thing called the human condition was my victory over um, my mental health challenges and uh, substance use disorder, addiction, alcoholism, substance misuse preceded or mental health issues and challenges preceded my substance self-medication. And I didn't know that, um, what was going on. We don't usually know what's happening until a little too late. And um, a person's heart health is directly linked to their mental health. And our mental health is linked to our physical and heart health. And this is what I've learned. And and there's an intersection for sure. So cutting back to 1993 and winning that French Open, which is magical, absolutely magical if to, to break down that match in that final. But that hoisting the trophy isn't what, what really resonates for me. It was sitting in the locker room looking down at my hands and they were shaking. And... um in that moment, I was quite overwhelmed and I was having a panic attack and I didn't know what a panic attack was. 
and um, and that would lead to my substance use disorder, which in 1999, while playing the U.S. Open with the birth of my first son, you, the world had seen rock and roll tennis and the flamboyant, energetic, crowd-pleasing Jensen brothers um, willing to kiss every baby and sign every autograph. We absolutely absolutely loved playing tennis together my brother and i um but i was i was dying and i was isolating and um with the birth of my first son and while playing that us open my brain had had uh come up with a solution that jumping out of a window of a hotel in new york city was a good idea and instead of a hotel manager calling the police he called an interventionist and that interventionist told me his story Stories are important. Our stories are very important. No therapist and no self-help book could help me with my mental health challenges. But someone's story could. He shared with me that he was someone in long-term recovery, that this is what he experienced, this is what he went through, and this is what he grew through. And for the first time, there was someone in front of me that knew how I felt. And that it was okay not to be okay. That it's going to be okay. And uh, so I was um, shortly, um, the next day I, I went through a uh, brief stint in the psych ward, then a detox in Los Angeles, California. Um, and I'll never forget the words of the the case manager, John Robinson. And I was so alone and so afraid. And my scorecard read zero on every level. And John says to me, Murphy, if no one's told you they love you today, I do. And for a lot of us people, that's a really important thing to hear on a Friday or a Monday or a Saturday or after hearing some heartbreaking news. Um, and that I've never forgotten that, that, that act of kindness that John gave to me in that moment 24 years later. So here we are, Molly. Saying it skillfully is important, you know. And it's like, it reminds me of, you know, you, you and I have spoken before, and if, if people were to describe Murphy, they would say he is um, full of energy and outgoing. Truth is, I, I, was, I was a scared little kid on the playground in elementary school, you know, and I wanted your approval. I wanted your affection. Um, I wanted your love. And I, I uh, had fears and doubts and insecurities like everybody else, but I thought I was all alone. And I've learned all this in, in, in the pathway of my recovery. 
Um, and now where do those two stories intersect is my point of reference is Culver City, 1999, all alone, terrified and afraid. 24 years later, I have a cardiac arrest and I'm in a hospital and I've got um, the whole world praying for me. My childhood friends from that were from the tennis world, Andre Agassi calling six times a day. Um, our friend Bill called me when I came out of the coma and um, I was everything but alone. I had so much to live for and so much love coming my way that I will never be the same again. My recovery from substance use disorder and now surviving cardiac death has produced two different psychic changes for me and how, how I perceive things. What's going on usually isn't what's going on. You know, the, the choices we make, what to, why, you know, if I go back to my very first drink ever, I'm playing the 12 and under sport goofy tennis championships. It's the uh, world championships for little children. And it's at Disneyland in Los Angeles, California. And I find myself in the semifinals. And, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. There's Michael Chang over there playing his quarterfinal match with Jared Palmer. We're all babies, right? And there's Andre Agassi on that court. And there's all these guys that I played junior tennis with all became pretty good players. And I lose this match, this heartbreaker, seven, six in the third. And if you're 12 years old, it's not a lot of ripping forehands and backhands. You know, we're not serving 130 miles an hour. We might If we're lucky, we're serving three miles an hour. But I lose this match to this chump, this turkey. I'm up 6-0 in the third set tiebreaker. That's six match points for young Murphy, Murphy J. And uh, I lose it, and I'm heartbroken. And I'm far away from home. And my roommates were, let's, were from New York or something. And there's a mini bar in the, in the hotel room. Like all of us kids shared a room or something. And, and during the day, you're playing tennis and Goofy and Mickey Mouse are running around. And I lose lost this heartbreaker to this turkey. His name was Pete Sampras, by the way. Um, I, I almost missed the... He turned out to be a pretty good player. Um, so I, I, I forgive little young 12-year-old Murphy, my inner child. But I'm in, I, we go back, we have our dinner, and the kids I'm staying with says, hey, let's hit the mini bar. And you want to drink vodka? And I, I don't even know what vodka is. And I, and I said, sure, you know, and because I wanted their approval. I wanted their affection. And so the disease of my, my uh I won't call them shortcomings, but my reality was that uh, I wanted your approval. I wanted your affection. And so the, that's how I, I was choosing my, making my choices. And and the tennis court was a very safe place for me. 
until it wasn't. And then nobody chooses mental health um, issues. Nobody chooses um, um, a cardiac arrest. You know, these things in life chose me. And I've spoken way too much, and I'm going to stop for a second and pause. But I'm Murphy. And if nobody's told you they love you today, Molly, I do. I love you more, Murphy. Not possible, but I'll take it. My friend, your smile and your, you know, just, I don't wish pain and struggle on anyone. Um, but I know that it, you know, when you can dig deep and when you can stay alive, you're better for it. And when you feel the energy that you have of the gratitude and the love, you know, you know, it's going to be okay. And uh, there's a lot in the world, you know, and I, years ago, I remember just, I remember making this distinction, you know, I'm going to get up and I will be happy like every day. And it doesn't mean I'm satisfied. It doesn't mean things are, you know, perfect by any stretch, but that choice, you know, I made, and I have to say, it really was a very empowering one. Um, and, you know, I, I'm just, I'm so, I just, I think about this, this, you know, 12 years old, I mean, all these things, and you can go back and your ability to be able to go through your story and to make sense of it, not to dwell in it and to be able to come out that stronger and move forward is not easy. And, and you know, I'd love to hear, you know, for those of us, and, and I just have to, I dare say, just so many people are somehow affected with the, the mental fragility of those that they love and we don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle it. And, you know, so I, I just knowing that what you went through, what you needed to hear, who was helpful, who wasn't helpful. I, you know, I really would love to hear how, you know, all of us can be more part of the solution for identifying what's going on for young or old people and, and how we can be helpful. I think a lot of us don't want to go in and make things worse, you know, without knowing you don't really, you know, I'm not a professional, um, yep. So I would really just love to hear a bit about, you know, what we can all do to support each other. I think if I'm if I'm rolling back the tape, and and it's not so much what how I perceive the the past, and 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 the solution and what worked and what didn't work, but I think as a world. Um, number one, and this comes from my brother, who coincidentally, his bedroom was three feet from mine growing up, and he's never had a drink or a drug a day in his life. And so imagine how my behavior and my, my behavior, how he struggled with it. You know, he was on this, everyone is motivated and pushed based on some experience. And we are all kind of like a, 
programmed computer based on our experiences like i you see rocky oh i am going to be that guy or i see maverick i'm going to be a little bit of a wild card or you see scarface <laughs> i'm gonna be a nut job who knows right but um so what he said was and is recently, and I never heard it before, as the solution that he found is unconditional love. You know, unconditional love. You don't have to like the behavior um, of a loved one or a friend or and to realize that what they're facing or how they're how they're 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 solving their problems might say why are they doing that why are they in another abusive relationship it could be with uh this or it could be why are taking a bad job or why are they continuing to do that you know that's based on their default settings that you know any something out here is going to fix what's in here and and I think empathy is is a great solution. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, I try, try not to do a lot of thinking. You know, I, I started my day intentionally, you know, I want to get right with the person in the mirror. You know, um, I am responsible. Three powerful words. I am responsible, all caps. That's on a whiteboard here. I am enough. Um, so how, you know, it's heartbreaking. And when I was a kid or when we were kids, you know, they would talk about alcoholism as being a family disease. If, and the way I interpreted that was if uncle so-and-so had it, the gene, you might have the gene. So watch yourself around drinking or whatever um you know we live in a culture today that it's acceptable to treat trauma with alcohol we treat depression with a depressant you go through a gnarly breakup or a divorce and what did you do well i got a case of wine and i lied in bed and watched crappy tv and i mean what not a good plan um, and then here's the flip side, and I really have some faith in in our future because the whatever generation it's called, my my big boy is 24 years old, and he's on the path of the righteous man. He says, um, but it's okay not to drink. Just so the world knows. And I got no judgment for people to that drinks. You know, it's nice with a, a nice steak or some fish or some, you know, this is my my jam with a salad. Um, but if my motive is to treat a trauma or getting fired at the job or um, whatever, with, then, you know, it's it's kind of like I, I ask myself questions. What's my motive? is how I'm feeling based on some insecurity that I have. Oh my gosh, Molly was awesome and said nice things to me. I'm enough now. Or I got this, I was able to close this deal. I'm worthy of your affection. Forget about my own affection. So I've learned how to love myself. 
over the process of these 24 years. I didn't know that I was looking at the problem. I actually had a sticker where I brushed my teeth that says, you're looking at the problem. And I just saw that somewhere. And it's crazy. I have followed you since the day we met and since you started, um, because your 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 work has uh, supported me and helped me, just so you know. It has supported my recovery. It has supported my my work at We Connect and building and growing the building this company and working with others that are different than me, that had have are coming from a different place. It reminds me. Your work reminds me of uh, what I was gifted uh, in recovery, which was I got myself a sponsor. Someone said you got to get yourself a sponsor. I'm like, what's a sponsor? I mean, I'm I, I'm a big deal. I got tennis tournaments to play. I got a rock and roll tennis. I mean, no, no, no. Uh, I understand. Yeah, get yourself a sponsor. And they they walked me through day one to day three thirty without drinking. And then they walked me through day 30 to day 90. And I would call, and I had different sponsors for different stuff. I had to get my life back on track in every way. I was bankrupt on every level, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, And the first relationship I had to get right with was the one with myself. I couldn't do anything with you. Um, unless I got it right with me, you know, and the second it was, it was me, you and God, boom, boom, boom. And now G.O.D. can be uh, explained as good orderly direction, you know, my way obviously wasn't the way my solution to my stress and anxiety and pressure I put on myself um, was not working. That was an understatement. That is an understatement. Um, so simple things that I had these, this team that if I had financial issues, I could call that guy. Now I couldn't call a guy that was just some superstar in the financial world, knew a bunch of those guys. I knew needed a guy that had ruined their life that found a way out that knew what I was feeling like. You know, and they were the roadmap. They were so in in the you know, hey, I Danny, um, what's going on, Murph? I met this girl. Well, um what's what's her name? Her name's call her Kate. (laughs) Well, oh my gosh, Murphy, that's something. What are you gonna do? I don't know, Danny. What should I do? Do you like her? Well, I think so. She's very attractive. Does she like you? Not sure. She said when we were having coffee that if we ever dated, I'd be, she would be my worst nightmare. Whew. That doesn't sound good, Murph. Um, so why are you calling, Murphy? I don't know what to do, Danny. Do you, do you want to ask her out? Yes, I do, Danny. How do you do that? Well, Murphy, when we get off the phone, why don't you call her number? Do you have her number? Yeah. And so I say, Kate, do you want to go out sometime? And then shut up, Murphy. Try that for once in your life. 
<laughs> but it was that simple. You know, I thought the whole world had it all figured out, man. And nobody has it figured out. And it's that simple today. I'll call that Danny and it'll make me emotional because these people, these men and these women that had gone down the path before me were the best teachers for me. Hey, Danny, I really screwed up. Where are you right now, Murphy? I'm in the parking lot. Um, I, I don't know if I can go home. Kate and I got in a fight. Um, he goes, it's okay. Take a breath, Murph. Um, what do I do? Danny, I'm scared. He goes, it's going to be okay. Um, tell me what happened. Okay, I tell him what happened. Okay, when you walk into the house, how do I go into the house? I don't think this is going to work out. Um, you slowly walk into the house, assess the situation, and you say, Kate, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And if the opportunity presents itself, slowly and gently put your arms around this, this woman. But come on. Sounds simple, but in the moment, you know, my head will say, it's over, good night, driving away, the world's coming to an end. So recovery takes the permanence life used to pretend to offer me. And these, this information is available to everybody. It's going to be great forever or crapped forever. We all can live moment to moment, heartbeat to heartbeat, and not really given a rip. You know, if I get the gig, it's the best thing that could have happened to me. If I don't get the gig, it's the best thing that could have happened to me. My job is to be of service and show up, suit up, show up, and take the next right indicated step. So, and the next right indicated step is to be right here, right now with you, Molly. How am I doing? <laughs> Your presence is so, it's just this, this is the groundedness, you know, and I've said this on the show so many times, this ability to be in good relationship with ourselves, and it freaking takes work and it's not pretty, you know, and it varies in how not pretty it is, but it takes the work. And when you push through and see the things that we don't love about ourselves and they may never change about ourselves, or maybe we can change them, but just that process is just so it's just so what has to happen. And for many people to not have the guides on the sides, you know, to help you through, it can feel like impossible. And I just want folks, listeners that, you know, you can be so powerful for someone in a way you don't even know, you know? And so whether it's people who've known you for a long time or strangers or people on the street, you know, know that each of us really has an impact on the human beings around us. And it's very empowering. And there's a real privilege there and a responsibility. You know, and it's just so, you know, this, uh, your ability to just kind of have walked into your fears, to have figured them out, to be so whole with them, you know, and, you know, I know, you know, we know it's been a, a lot, it's a long journey for you, but you're, you know, gosh, I just, I just want to sprinkle it everywhere. I mean, it's just like, there's nothing that, we can't be doing in our world to make it, you know, a lot better, you know, and, and just thank you for just oozing that. Principles. Principles are so important. Didn't have any. People, you know, talk about find your passion, find your purpose, you know, but principles. I always say find your principles. What are they? 
for me, I got them through uh, my setbacks and um, and my losses. We all, you know, we can talk to any athlete to say we learn more in our losses than our wins. Um, unless I'm a full blown narcissist, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I pray to God I'm not. I uh, honesty, open mindedness, willingness, surrender to win. Would I be rather right or happy? Everything, the person you see today is a direct reflection of millions of people that came before me that was willing to uh, share. And I and I had the open-mindedness to try things that didn't make sense. What are you talking about? 90 meetings in 90 days. I got places to go and people to do. What do you mean a 28-day program? What are you talking about? We're going to write pen to paper and get honest with ourselves. What good is that going to do? I understand, Murphy. Get the pencil and or crayon, if that's what you use, and start and start writing. You know? And I get to take an inventory. A business that doesn't take an inventory goes broke, I've heard. So I get to take a Murphy inventory. I'm not as great as I think I am, and I'm not as crappy as I think I am. And so I get to find right size in the Smurf, you know? A little Smurf alert got to be right-sized. And, and most of what you hear from me is stuff that people have taught me. You know, and I'm a grateful, another bozo on the bus. Um, and there's, I used to think, if I get here, it's going to be okay. If I get hurt, it will be okay. If I, this happens, it's going to be great. Who the hell knows? You know, I got the gift of dying before I die. And now the difference, thank God for my early recovery from, that what I, we've been talking about, but because I had these principles in place and allowing my wife to help me walk and talk and, and to, to get back on my feet again, um, my company allowed me six months. Big word, allow. And then Murphy was al uh, able to allow himself the chance to heal and recover. Um I may have gone nuts because I've got one, two, three, four whiteboards right in front of me here. And those whiteboards served my recovery. I lost 60 pounds coming out of that coma. I was skinny. I lost all my muscle. Um, and my goal was to do one push-up. I couldn't lift this water bottle. My goal was to do one push-up um, in a day. <laughs> that wasn't like... One a minute, one a second. No, one in 24 hours. And I got one in. And now I've lifted weights and ran. And I have boxes I check on a daily basis, pray, meditate. Um, and it's these, and it goes back to those principles and intentions. And it wasn't to get anywhere. It was to do the here and now the best I could. And... Um, there is science about uh, it's. I looked at it as an investment. Everything I put in my mouth that's good for me is an investment in myself and you, and my wife and the people around me. Um, 
the things I put, I, I choose to um, read. I haven't watched a lot of TV. And I, what I, without watching and without being really on social media, I could still know what's going on. And and if I if I get too into it, um, it seems like the world's coming to to not good place. But I I have faith and trust. I have faith and trust because if you look at nature, it, it can survive some gnarly stuff. You know, I've seen Mother Earth take back a ten, a hard court tennis court with these beautiful flowers and. It's my tennis court back in northern Michigan that hasn't been resurfaced probably for 35 years. And the earth is just taking it back and growing these beautiful. And we don't want to resurface the court because it's so beautiful, these flowers in the cracks. But and it's in that 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 the ugliness and, and despair that we find our beauty. I found mine. So Murphy, before we talk a bit about the some of the many causes that you are involved with, a bit about being a father. Oh, oh being being a dad is. Uh, I've got a couple of pictures here that I'm looking at of two dads that are dear friends of mine. One is an actor that grew up in an actor's family, and he survived two heart attacks in the past year. And he's still with us, thank God. Um, being a father is very important to me. I have two beautiful baby boys, Duke and Billy. Billy is the big boy who graduated from Seattle University with honors. Um, and now he's at film school at Loyola Marymount and he's, um, thriving. Uh, and then my baby, baby Duke, um, he's off to school right now and hopefully he put on some clothes. I mean, it's not that progressive of a school, but, um, yeah, he's like, he saw naked and afraid once and he's like, oh, I want that. You know, you know, people say that people that become professional artists or violinists or tennis players. I saw, you know, Roger Federer says to Luke and I once, you know, I was your ball boy in Basel, Switzerland, and I could never get your autograph. And you always had kids around you. And we weren't allowed to ask for autographs being a ball boy. I said, Roger, it's never too late to get that autograph. And he goes, nah, I'm good. No, but being a father is really, 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 really important to me. My dad it was is my hero. He passed, um, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And I, I, I yeah, about almost 10, 10 years ago. Um, I was 44 and, and, and it shot me out of a cannon. And my baby Duke is uh, Duke Otto. My dad was an Otto and Howard Otto. Um, it's everything. Being a good husband, being a good brother, friend, um, being a decent human being. I don't need to be the best in the world, but being a father is super important. And the other, the other um, 
picture is another friend from elementary school and high school. And I went to his service last summer and he's 54 years old and, and he had a cancer that went fast and four kids and, and I, you know, having gone through everything I've gone through, especially these last 16 months, you know, I know the value of the gift of uh, our babies, our children, our, my brothers and sisters, you know, and the, the sooner we recognize and realize and accept, we don't have to like it, that life is going to hurt, you know, sometimes. Life is going to, to you know, and, and I pray that I can get through uh, some of this stuff that, that people are going through, you know. Um, like I told, told you know, um, even, you know, you look at these greats like Roger and on the tennis court, holy smokes. Um, you think this guy never has a bad day, right? Totally. This guy's got like unicorn uh, printed underwear, you know, <laughs> with his forehead and a slice and, and Rafa and these guys, this, this ultra beautifully talented, but then tragedy happens and can happen to anybody at any time and 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 the 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 insanity is to think that that something bad ain't going to happen and it doesn't mean i need to live in fear it just means i need to live where my feet are and and get busy living and loving and giving and serving and you know we will never get this day back molly so let's make it a masterpiece, a Picasso, uh, the best version of you and I, whatever the heck that means. You know, there's a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> so, uh, and then laugh, laugh a lot, you know, laugh at ourselves. That's, that's, that's magical. Um, and this, I've got a Rule 62 around here. Don't tell this restaurant, but I took it off. Rule 62 in the world of recovery means to not take yourself too dang serious. Um, I got Ray Dalio's principles, intentions and reflections. I mean, I'm not really speaking to your question. I got to kiss kissed the, the, the lips of the cold lips of my father when he died. <clears throat> He's with us right now. No doubt. And being a father is everything. Even when the little baby's learning to tap into his emotions, you know, daddy, you're an idiot, or I don't like you, daddy. And all he hears Little baby hears from my lips is, I love you, Duke, I love you. And all my dad heard in the last hour of his life from my, from my mouth to his ears was, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Daddy. I love you, Daddy. And he could go to sleep knowing that his son was uh, on the path I was on. Um, 
he knew that his son Murphy could take care of not only himself and take care of his my his brothers and sisters and his family. And it was okay for my dad to go to sleep. Um, you know, did it hurt? What is it? Painful? Sure. But I didn't have to drink. I didn't have to drug. I didn't have to escape and run away. I, I um, could feel what I needed to feel to be the person I was born to be. Feel what you need to feel to be the person you need to be. Really powerful. Uh, Murphy, your dad smiles lovingly, proudly upon you. We know that for sure. Share a little bit for listeners uh, before we wrap about, you know, what's next for you, what you're working on, how we can support you. Oh my God, I was... Well, keep me in your prayers, everyone, you know, and I will keep you in mind always and forever. I, uh, I'm i a co-founder of a company called We Connect Health Management. We've served up to almost a half a million people from 30 countries. We Connect is a, a mobile application that, that has services and support and support group meetings all embedded in a mobile application and an app. Um, you know, as someone in recovery, I, um, it's the most important and impactful work I'll ever do. And now I'm supporting the, um, so if you know somebody that could use help or you are, you know, it's for family and loved ones too, you know, that's, it's incredible that my mess has become my message, um, and I never set out to have a message. I'm just telling you what happened. Uh, and this is what's going on. Um, I'm now working with the American Art Association. I spoke to, alongside Congresswoman um, Sherpalis McCormick. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say the first word. Uh, Michael uh, Chuck Schumer. um Damar Hamlin, and spoke to all these uh, at the Capitol, Congress, all these fancy people. The AED Act is really important to me. It's about getting access to to care and education in and around heart disease um, to save lives. I mean, what happened to me happens every 90 seconds. So in the course of this time together, um, you know, a lot of people have lost a loved one. So, uh, so I work in the world of mental health, heart health. Um, for the past two years, I've been um, shooting a documentary film. It's called Born to Serve. Nothing I'm doing today. So you help a lot of people, Molly. Nothing I'm doing today was something I was saying, you know, I'm in a psych ward. Someday we're going to. We're going to put together a movie. It's going to be called Born to Serve, and Murphy's going to help lots of people. <laughs> Murphy's a, a chump. And so two years ago, a group came to me and said, "We, there's an untold story that you disappeared from a Wimbledon quarterfinal that's never been told, and your recovery and this and that, and um, we'd like to destigmatize and empower people and um 
High Watch Media came to me, and this pro- pro- process has been greenlit. So for the past two years, and it start what started to be a full-length feature documentary film has now been uh, broken up into a three-part series. So now it's in the place where the the my hope is that, but once again, the universe has a different plan than Murphy um, is going to be would be the, that it drops during the U.S. Open. New York City, the U.S. Open, September 1st is nat- the first kickoff for National Recovery Month. Um, the third act will be about um, my surviving cardiac arrest and um, the experience and how the transformation of of this Murphy. Uh, my wife even says I'm different in a good way. <laughs> you never know. You're different. Get out of here. Uh, no, she's you're different in a good way. And there's a almost um, um, fearlessness that I that I possess today. I still have fears, but I'm able to manage those fears. Um, so the film, um, working like a dog, you know, our our my we connect um, started serving employers. We serve health plans and employers, uh, organizations in the oil and gas industry, the uh, hospitality, um, you name it. This whole world suffers from um, or or has the human condition uh, unless you live with aliens. And, um, you know, it, it's every day is an opportunity to to bring a solution, you know, and. I don't know. It, there aren't too many. You know, we got to talk. We got to communicate. And we have to be, allow ourselves to do nothing or to do everything or some find that something in between. But, you know, if I've learned anything is that today's the day, the time is now, and to cherish the moment. And 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 my hope is that um, when this is over, I've given all I've got. You know, I I I want to I want it to be empty. I want to leave this life on empty, and I want to have given everyone and everything everything I've got. Um, I've, you and I have been ex- experiencing and exposed some incredible things that, but I can tell you that a question that has come up a lot in the last year is what was it like on the other side? And I can tell you that my other side is with Molly right now. And the last 16 months has been my other side. I do have some memories of that time, and if I did see my dad, and if I did spend time on the other side, they says, we don't want you yet. Go back to, go back to crazy earth, and, and you you got more work to do. And I don't know. So if anybody anywhere for any reason reaches their hand out for help, hopefully I can be there for them. 
you know, that that's what I've got going on, Molly. You have it all going on. It is, um, you are remarkable. My heart is so warm. My smile so bright. I'm just like, I'm lit up. You know, you shine so brightly, my friend. You're, you know, you're lighting the way for so many countless human beings all over this planet, you know, and shout out to Kate for her love and to Billy and to Duke and to Luke and the parents <laughs> and the folks who have, who are helping you be you and, and magnifying, right. What, what, you know, your story can help inspire for others and that's to find their way to be at one with that person in the mirror, to know when we're part of the problem, to choose to be part of the solution, um, to embrace the fearlessness, but still have the fear and and be okay with that, you know, Murphy. So listen, any tiny, minute, minute kind of way I could be helpful, you know how to reach me. I just could not be cheering any more loudly for you. And, and I just have to thank you for really helping me be a better me. I am better because of I know you and um, I love you and I thank you. I love you too. Love you. I appreciate for you for being part of the solution. I have to say that you're helping all of us be safe, seen and heard and our very, very best selves and you take good care. We will see you soon. That's me kissing everybody. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, folks, I uh, it doesn't get any better. Let me just close with a thought for the week, of course, from Murphy, whose mess has become his message. Live, <laughs> love, learn, and serve. And that is a wrap, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share the show. Amplify Murphy's voice. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality essential to make the best decisions execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is solvable. Communities are proving it. And it begins by understanding that we can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. The U.S. spends billions each year responding, but it's clear more resources alone aren't enough to solve this complex problem. Community Solutions is a nonprofit working alongside 105 U.S. communities, proving it is possible to make homelessness rare and brief, starting with veteran and chronic homelessness. These cities and counties are fundamentally changing their approach and have committed to get to zero homelessness using real-time, person-specific data to work and use their resources wisely. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org. See if your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name and need? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness can't be solved. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.